Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Some of God's most beautiful miracles and greatest work is especially evident in the aftermath of our darkest and most painful experiences. After the dark days of the crucifixion of Jesus, light breaks forth in His resurrection. After hurt is healing, after brokenness is mending, after death is life. Through this series, we are learning to pay attention to how God is moving and growing our faith in and for the aftermath. You know, I've been thinking all week, we're we're not in the same place, but we're kind of in the same space, right? We're not in the same place, but we're in the same space, that space of of quarantine, where we're all kind of functioning in, in new normals and we're, we're navigating seasons that are unprecedented in our lives. And even though we're not in one place, we're in one space and we are one people united by the blood of Jesus, sharing hope and life and who he is, leaning into his truth today. You know, one of the, one of the cool byproducts of all of this is Vintage Church is expanding into spaces that we never thought we would be. Every single weekend, we're getting emails and response cards from our, from our app. And, and, and wherever you're watching from, man, share with us. Let us know. Go right now into the app of, the, of our Vintage Church app. There's a response form. Just, just say, hey, I worship with Vintage Church today. Uh, let us know how this is impacting your life. If there is something that has struck a chord in your spirit, we would love that feedback. We, we don't get to have it in the room. We don't get to watch you worship. I don't get to hear you say amen. So would you just kind of uh, placate me a little bit and send in those response forms? But one of the cool thing is, like we've gotten response forms from upstate New York. We've gotten response forms from Texas. We've even heard about there is a church in Arizona that doesn't have the technology that we have, and their pastor has been encouraging their entire church body to lean into our experiences every weekend. So if you're worshiping with us in Arizona, I'm sure it's hot, but thank you for being here with us. But the other thing that's happening is we're getting messages from people that say, you know what, I haven't been in church for years. Somewhere along the way, my church experience was so bad, I decided I would never go back. That I was hurt by the church, that something happened. And I didn't necessarily give up on my faith, but I gave up on, on, on the church. And because I walked away from the church, it has impacted my faith. But in all of this, somebody sent me a link. Or I stumbled across it on YouTube. And what I'm experiencing, what God is teaching me through these weekends that that Vintage Church is is helping me believe again. We've even had messages of people that have said, hey, today, because what I experienced through your online experience, I gave my life to Jesus. And that, that is so powerful and my prayer is that like when, when this is over, when we come on the other side, in the aftermath of this, that more and more people are willing to walk in these doors again. Because the experience that a lot of those people have is, it is not uncommon to the experience of, that a lot of us have. That somewhere along the way, we 
went to a church that, that hurt us. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, we had a bad experience. And whether we like it or not, we associate church with Jesus. And some people have given up on Jesus because of the bad image created of him through the church. And they would have never stepped into this room to hear me preach a sermon. They would have never walked into this space and been able to worship to vintage worship. But because of this season, they tuned in. And God is turning on something fresh in their lives. And if you're out there and you're watching this, and it's maybe been years since you've stepped in the doors of the church, I cannot guarantee you that after all this is over, if you walk back into church, you won't be hurt again. I can't guarantee you that in some way we won't disappoint you and fail you. Because we're just as messed up as you are. But my... My hunch is that in the aftermath of this, that God is going to work in people's lives. And this was the front door. These videos were the front door for somebody else to step in and find community and find a group of people that will imperfectly love them in their imperfection. And the reality is, if, if you have a bad taste in your mouth for church, it's because you've never experienced it the way God intended it to be. If you're watching this and, and your idea of church, and, you, and you're thinking, Matt, I'm grateful for this experience. I appreciate what you're teaching. I love the worship, but I'm not coming in there. I've been hurt too many times. If you have a bad taste in your mouth for church, you've never experienced it the way God intended it to be. And the whole point of this church is to try to represent the church the way Jesus intended it to be, as best we can. Matter of fact, we intentionally named this church Vintage Church for a reason. Because this church was born out of me being planted by God in the book of Acts for several months. See, I, I grew up in the church. I've been in the church my whole life. My dad pastored for years and years before he retired. Like, like I've been in, in church my entire life. So I understand why people don't like it because I know that there ain't a meaner group of people in the world than church people a lot of times. I, I get that. But when you see this thing when it started, when it originated, when it was born in the book of Acts, it doesn't look like what most of us grew up in. Now, I would say to you over the last 12 years, I've seen glimpses of it in this place called, see, the word vintage means representing the high quality of a pastime. And our hope as a church was to, to reflect and represent what happened in the book of Acts as best we could. Now, we're not trying to replicate in full everything that happened in the book of Acts because I think God is doing something new and something fresh. I don't think he wants to replicate what happened in Acts, but I think there's something about the way we do church that should reflect what we see in the book of Acts. Because see, after Jesus rose from the dead, before he left this planet, he made sure that this thing was established, the church. That the church would be Jesus-ordained, Jesus-decided, Jesus-driven. Like Jesus established the church because he intended it to be the vehicle to carry the message of the gospel to the world. 
all that stuff that happened at Easter that we just recently celebrated, Jesus dying on the cross, being the sacrifice for our sins so that we could have life, Jesus being put in a tomb and three days later coming back to life, that message, that gospel was placed in the hands of the church and we were supposed to be the stepping stone to Jesus instead of the stumbling block that we've become. And if you move into the book of Acts, you kind of see how it all began. Go to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to start reading with verse 3. Pull up the vintage app, open up your Bible, however you want to access God's word. If you want to follow along with me in the note section of our app today, that would be awesome. Uh, If you're not a note taker, that's okay. Take notes. It'll be good for you. You'll learn something. Acts chapter 1 verse 3. says, after his Jesus suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power, if you drop down to verse 8, but you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, after Easter, Jesus wasn't dead and Jesus wasn't done. The Bible tells us that for 40 days he went on a comeback campaign. For 40 days, he went around showing himself to people. For 40 days, he would pop up in places and he would have encounters. And Paul would write that that Jesus would appear to hundreds of people. It's It's not like Jesus rose from the dead and then bounced out. For 40 days, people encountered the risen Jesus. And like everything, Jesus was intentional with this entire period. I think Jesus had two goals for these 40 days. He was trying to verify his resurrection and clarify our mission. That the point of these 40 days where Jesus hung out and stayed on the earth, the two things he was trying to accomplish was to verify the resurrection. That no, it wouldn't just be those 12 people because then they would say, oh, it was just those 12 disciples. Of course, they're going around telling Jesus is alive because they need a reason. They need a purpose. They need to justify that the fact they gave their life to something was still real. No, it wasn't just to a handful of people. It was to hundreds of people. Not just, this, not just the people that believed in Jesus before they put him in the grave. He would, show up in the, he would show up in front of his earthly brother, James, who until that moment didn't even believe that Jesus was. Who he said, How do you convince your brother that you're Messiah? You come back to life. For 40 days. And so... The movement begins to swell. In the aftermath of the miracle, motivation began to build because they saw Jesus, not just for a moment, but for weeks on end. And he wasn't just trying to verify his resurrection. He was also trying to clarify his mission. I don't think the two places what we have recorded, Matthew 28, where he says to disciples, now go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then he tells them in, in Acts, it's recorded, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. I have a feeling that Jesus was constantly saying, hey, I'm here, but I'm not staying. 
I'm going to be here for a little while, but I'm not staying. And when I'm gone, it's your job to continue to tell people about what you've seen and heard. That he was constantly saying that to the point where I think like, like they were jacked up and they were ready to go. Jesus was, Jesus was back and he was alive and now we have purpose and he's clarified all those things. And Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be a part of something that's much bigger than yourself. You're going to contribute to something that has eternal value. You're going to be the instruments of my grace. You're going to be the vessels and vehicles of hope. Like, like I'm going to move in you and you're going to do something powerful on this world. You're not going back to fishing, Peter. Remember when I told you I would make you fisher of men? That's what I, this is what I was talking about. You're going to go and you're going to start reeling in souls that are lost and desperate and you're going to help them see that in me you find hope and purpose and meaning. But as I'm reading that story, there's something that happens in there that's easy to overlook. But I think was difficult for the disciples to deal with. Did you go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 4? So he has them all motivated, he has them all ready, he has them all jacked up to be a part of the mission. Then he says, But don't do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. You're going to be my witnesses. You're going to carry the mission to the world. You're going to do great things, but not yet. Like he's, he's given them this vision for their lives, but then he's asked them to put it on hold for a moment. He's clarified their purpose and then seemingly pressed pause. Have you ever had God do that in your life? Where God puts something in you, when God gives you a vision for your life, when you find your purpose, and then it's almost like God says, this is what I'm going to do with you, this is what I'm going to do for you, this is what I'm going to do through you, but wait. It's frustrating, isn't it? But wait. But wait. He says, don't leave Jerusalem. But wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Wait for you to wait to experience the presence of what I promised. Now, you might be thinking, like, Matt, what's the point? Again, I don't know the disciples personally, but I know people and I know me. I don't want to wait. No, let's go now. I'm ready now. I'm, I'm excited now. Like, let's ride the momentum of what's happening. Jesus, all these people have seen you. They're hungry for more. Like, like and now you're about to leave. And then the Bible says, too, like he's, he's taken up before their eyes. And they're like, okay, but wait. And you, you know the meanest part? He asks them to wait, but he doesn't tell them for how long. Isn't that what's most frustrating about God? He often asks us to wait, but he rarely lets us know how long. What I've discovered in my life, I don't mind waiting if I know how long it's going to be. 
Like you're ever going, you're, you ever going to like your favorite restaurant on a Friday night? Oh, no, I'm killing people right now because like, Matt, we would give anything to go to P.F. Chang's tomorrow night. And it's like, you know, you, you, you go up there and like you have in your mind, like I'm willing to wait, but I have a threshold. Like everybody's standing out, lying out. You know, you know it's bad when like not, everybody's not only, like there's too many people for people to be, even be inside. Like it, the wait is so long, you got to stand outside. All the pages are given out. And like, but you, you, so you have in your mind, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do 45 minutes. And depending on how much you like, you like the restaurant, like if you really like the restaurant, you might wait an hour. But you have a threshold. But knowing that time period makes the wait easier. Because then when you get, they, they tell you, and if you're like me, if the hostess tells me 45 minutes, it better be 44. Right? Or I'm starting to get impatient. It's not the fact that God asks us to wait so often. That's the hard part. Is it just feels so indefinite. And I, and I just wonder, what were the, what did this, don't you wish you had more sometimes? Don't you wish you'd be like, God, could you just put just a little bit more in the Bible? Just a little bit more? Like, did nobody push back against this? Did nobody say, Jesus, question, um, you said we had to wait how long? I, I, just, I just would like to know. And we know the personality of some of the disciples. You know Peter was like, I ain't waiting. I'm ready to go. I mean, Peter was not, I mean, when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, he wasn't willing to wait for him to get to the boat. He decided to go over the bow and, and meet him in the water. Like, he was not, I don't see Peter as a very patient person. But they wait. And now, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that it would, based on everything we know, it would be nine days from the time that Jesus ascended and said that to the time Jesus gave what he promised. And I just wonder what those nine days were like. What, what was happening among the disciples? What were those conversations like? Again, I think Peter, after, after two days, was like, y'all, I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready to go. And Thomas was like, I doubt it's ever going to happen. And I also think we, we are we're very much creatures of habit. We always expect God to do what he did before in the exact same way. Okay, so, so Jesus was in the grave for three days and then he came back to life. So I'm thinking on day three, I wonder if they're like, and I don't know this, we don't know any of this, but on day three they're like, it, took, it only took him three days to come back to life. How many days is it going to take him to send the Holy Spirit? And on day three, they woke up thinking, y'all, it's been three days. I wonder if this is going to be like the whole resurrection thing and, and the Holy Spirit's going to come today. He's coming today. I bet he's coming today. I got $5 says he's coming today. And then night falls on day three and day four and day five and day six. And I just wonder as that time period between his ascension and what he promised would happen next started to just weigh, weigh on them a little bit. See, last week we talked about the importance of, of motivation. That I challenge you, don't lose motivation in the middle and miss out on a miracle. Right now, they're having to keep, it's not, it's not, it's not the, the loss of motivation that the disciples have to struggle with. 
When Jesus asked them to wait, I think they were extremely motivated when the wait had come. They had watched Jesus come back to life. They had watched him appear before all these people. They were, they were fully motivated. It wasn't motivation that they had. Matter of fact, in this moment, they're having to kind of keep their motivation in check. Sometimes we can get overly motivated to when we're so motivated we move when we shouldn't. Anybody relate? That I'm, I'm tired of waiting on God. I know what he wants from me. I know what he desires from me. And I know he hasn't given me the next step. And I know he hasn't given me the next turn. And I know that he hasn't given me the next direction. But I, I, just, I just need to move. And we're pushed more by a lack of patience than the presence of purpose. How often have you done that? That you move not out of the pull of God, but the push of impatience. See, I would submit to you that the lack of patience is just as dangerous as the loss of motivation. The lack of patience is just as dangerous as the loss of motivation. See, there's a lot of people in the season that we're in. And can we just all admit, a lot of us, we feel like we're in a waiting season. We're waiting for something. We're waiting for these restrictions to lift. We're waiting for this thing to be over. We're waiting to get through to our, to, to, to try to draw unemployment. We're waiting to hear back from, from the Paycheck Protection Program to keep our business. Like we're, we're waiting and we're in a season of waiting. And right now, it's not a lack of motivation. Like we're motivated we're so motivated, some of us have renovated our entire homes because our wives won't turn off HGTV. Like, it's not motivation that's the problem. It's the growing sense of impatience that is starting to build in our lives. And my fear is that it's not the, the loss of motivation that may be dangerous for us. It's the, it's the lack of patience and impatience, we're going to make decisions that are quick and hasty and unwise. And I just, I just wonder if maybe that's the place that a lot of people are. That it's not, it's not a lack of, of motivation. Like you, you, you're so motivated. Like you, you want to do something. You want to go somewhere. You want to... And, and you just, you're just having a hard time being patient. But can I just remind you that God never asks us to wait without reason. That, that there is, what if God is really up to something right now? What if he's up to something that we can't see? What if, he's, what if he's moving in places that we don't understand? And I'm not saying that, like, that, that we, we're, we're waiting for some establishment to tell us what to do and when to do it. What I'm saying is like, let's not do anything driven by impatience instead of purpose. Because so often... That's what we do. We, we, we want to put it under the umbrella of purpose, but really we're just moving out of pure impatience. And the reason why 
I say you need to wait and be patient is because every place in scripture, I see patience pay off. I see patience pay off. Because see, it says, Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that we, each of us, hears them in our native tongue? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? So after the wait, at the end of these nine days, what God promised, what Jesus promised, finally fell. The Holy Spirit came. And now it might seem really weird, especially if you're leaning into this and, and you didn't grow up in church and you're hearing this whole tongue thing. But what happened is these, the, the disciples who got filled with the Holy Spirit started speaking. And people that were there, even though they came from different countries and even though they spoke different languages, they could understand what they were saying. They could hear them speaking in their native tongue. And then Peter stands up. And preaches the gospel, declares the good news of Jesus, tells about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, and says, basically, all who you, of you who will believe in this, repent and be baptized. And the Bible says that 3,000 people came to Jesus that day. And now, if that number is like other numbers in the Bible, typically they only counted the men. Who knows how many thousands of people came to Jesus in that moment. You know, a lot of us have wondered, why nine days? I mean, again, if, if Jesus can come back to life in three, surely he can send the Spirit just as quick. Or the moment that Jesus left this earth, why didn't automatically, like, he, he tagged the Holy Spirit in? Why was God so slow in sending the Spirit? God is never slow, but he's always strategic. See, nine days from the day that Jesus left this earth was another festival, the Festival of Weeks. 
one of the three festivals that would, build, that would elicit a pilgrimage to Egypt. So the very day that the Holy Spirit came, did you notice it? It says that people, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven were gathered in that space. That Jesus, God wasn't being slow. He was being strategic. That the day the Holy Spirit came, that God strategically had brought people from all over the world in the same place. So that when the Holy Spirit fell and the gospel was preached, God was already beginning to formulate the mission of his church. That number one, in that moment, the church was born in diversity. That the day the church was born, it was born with people from all nations and all backgrounds and speaking all languages and all different colored skin. Saying from the onset, my movement, my church is for all people everywhere. That what I'm doing in this world won't be confined to a region, to a building, to a county, to a community, to a race, to an economic status for all people all over the world. And now, in the aftermath of Pentecost, these new believers would travel back to their native lands, taking the gospel with them. And the movement of Jesus would begin to expand like wildfire. See, I think part of me growing up thought, awesome, they had a mega church on day one in Jerusalem. But the reality is thousands of those people, they didn't stay there. They would leave. And God would plant somebody who found him on that day in another country, in another land, to speak another language so that the message of Jesus could just begin to spread. And I think the apostles would say in the aftermath of the waiting, it was worth it. Let to be there on that day and watch the beauty of the church be birthed. What they got to see, what they got to experience, what they got to witness. The beauty of it all. It was worth the wait. And now this season that we're in, I don't believe for a second God caused it, but I'm convinced that he's using it. That now more than ever, like, like God's taken his message through the vehicle of video. The gospel is on the internet right now, more prevalent than, it, more prevalent than it's ever been. And I know this is gonna sound crazy, but what if we're in the midst of a Pentecost moment where God is sowing seeds in the hearts of people that would have never been open to it until now. See, Jesus was waiting for just the right moment to send his spirit when it would most effective, effectively advance his purpose. And you know what? If in this season, 
God is using things like this to take his message into places that it wouldn't have been. Otherwise, I'll wait a little bit longer. If staying in this place for a few more weeks continues to get people that would never walk in the doors of this church or other churches to hit play on a video and find him, I'll wait. I'll wait. There's a man named Jesus who was more than a man. He was the only begotten son of God. He lived a perfect and sinless life so that he could be the sacrifice for your sins. And when he died on the cross, he gave up his life willingly to pay the price that you deserved. And then three days later, he had victory over that death. And salvation is found in no other name but the name of Jesus. And how you begin a new life in him is just acknowledging everything that I've just said is true. You don't have to pray a specific set of words. You just have to acknowledge with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says he comes into your life, sets up residence in your heart, and you belong to him. So if you're ready to make that decision, just cry out to him right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to, to repeat after me because use your own words. Just talk to God. He's right there with you where you are. Give yourself to him. Now, we would, we would love to know that you've made that decision and resource you and come alongside you because if you've made that step today, it's not the finish line. It's the starting line of a lifelong journey of him molding you into the likeness of his son. Maybe we're in the midst of God doing something very strategic. And maybe he's not slow. Maybe he's just waiting. Maybe he's waiting on you to make that decision today. Father, I thank you that people all over the world are finding you in this season finding hope, finding life, finding truth. God, I thank you that there are people that are tuning in to this experience this day who are searching, longing for purpose and meaning, something to fill the void that they've been trying to fill for so long. And God, I know that you're the only thing that can fill that gap. And God, I thank you for the people all over the world right now that are making that decision, that are turning to you, that will never walk into this building, but they'll walk into other places and the seed you've sown in them will be a seed they spread somewhere else. God, keep moving, keep working. And if God, you want this thing to linger so that you can continue to work through it, we'll wait because we believe it's worth it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. 
We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.